Welcome to another episode of the Dentology Podcast, where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset, through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. So welcome to our latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. And today we are delighted to have Nigel Visner as our guest who's joining us. And Nigel is an inspirational speaker. Inspirational. Uh, inspirational, an author and chief zookeeper. And we'll get Nigel to explain a bit later what he means by that. So welcome, Nigel. How are you doing? Um, hello, Nigel. I'm exceptional. Today, my new word for 2022 is exceptional. But I don't see why it should be anything other than exceptional. Last year was phenomenal, except I couldn't spell it. But this year it's exceptional. (laughs) (laughs) So as a a speaker, saying phenomenal works really well. If you were a copywriter, it wouldn't be so good. That was the whole point, that I'd often have to write something. Someone's like, can you send me your bio? And I go, phenomenal. And I couldn't spell it. I knew it had a PH. And I'd get confused. And I went exceptional. Next year it's going to be good. I can spell that, you know. Good. <laughs> Keep it simple. So, uh, Chris and I, we, 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 we met you, but from a distance, and it was back in about 99, 2000. Before um, we owned Fractalis. It was, it was before, before we bought we our business, and we were working for a bank together, and we were doing some work with the legal profession, and we attended a legal conference, and we were sitting quietly at the back, uh, and it was a legal conference, so frankly, it was a bit dull, not yep. a lot was going yep. on. And we were, we were thinking about, honestly, probably staying for the sandwiches and then leaving. And then we saw on the, um, on the programme, Nigel Risner was going to talk. So we said, well, let's give the guy a crack. We'll stick him around a couple of minutes. Give him a crack. We I were blown that. away by I, I was good enough to be given a crack. Absolutely. Excellent. My self-esteem is just... You were. And, and boy, was it... I think, I think was also, it Nigel, it was before the pubs opened. So yeah. probably yeah, you see, <laughs> we I decided that we'd after, just uh, hang on for a I bit. don't speak after 4.45, and there's a reason for that, is because there's two, well, there's two reasons. One, <laughs> the people want to go home, but the other reason is I'm shite, okay? And the reason is I know when I'm brilliant at my job. So between 8 and 11, I think I'm one of the best in the world. From 11 till 4, I'm in the top 10. And after 4.30, I'm not. So I often say to people, in leadership and in dentistry, you need to know your hours where you work at your most optimum time. You know, if I was a dentist, I'd be, I'd yeah. want to be doing high level client work, patient work of high veneers, doing some really complicated stuff between eight and 11. And then I'd want to do some family work between 11 and four. And I wouldn't want to be trusted after four o'clock because mentally, and you've probably heard me use this phrase mm. before, I'm not in the room. It's too late in the day for me. I can yeah. do a podcast because I'm at home. I'm quite comfortable, whatever. But I wouldn't want to be on stage in front of 1,500 people that late at night, having got up really early. And I've got a big Lambradoodle who needs to be walked every single day. I've got my family. I've got my son and daughter-in-law and grandson living with us at the moment. But generally speaking, even pre-pandemic, I find it hard to work after about 4.30. But I'm phenomenal early Mm. in the morning. And I Mm. think in life we need to know our team's hours of work to really get them motivated at the right time to do the best work. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So, so are you able? Are, are you in a position where you're actually able to 
Yeah. So, so are you able to suggest to people if they're asking you to come and speak to have you on their program in the morning because that's when you're your peak? Is that something you're trying to build into your program? Or just before lunch so they can share about the information I've spoken about and experience what I've been talking about over lunch. I do a lot about communication and animals, as you know, mm. and we'll but, probably come on to it. But I tell people, mm, if yeah. you listen to my we will, program, yeah, no, we're gonna, we're... you'll be able to watch how people are through bu- through buffet lunches. And you know dentist conferences, there's always shite food. It always looks yellow. You know, it just is. It's yellow sausage rolls, yellow sandwiches, <laughs> yellow pastries, whatever. It's all yellow, okay? But if you watch the different folk eating food, you'll know exactly what animal they are. So people like me, I, I, I fill up really quickly because I get too excited because it's lunchtime and I've got loads of stuff on my plate and I miss the good stuff later mm. on. Then there's another group of people who go to the smoked salmon and, and the rare beef because they're clever, they've thought about it. Then there's people who start circling because they know about nutritional value and then there's the other people who just eat the shit that's left, pardon my French. You know, there's always scraps of bits of left and other stuff. Because <laughs> they were too slow. Well, no, it's not too slow. They, they let others go first because they're the dolphins. They're lovely people. So they watch what's oh, going on. And we'll talk about it a bit later on. But even when you watch people in their yeah. eating patterns, you'll find out what type of animal they are and how to motivate and train them compared to just sitting at a conference. So I like mm. doing a session before lunch, letting people look over lunch, and then start using the stuff that I've shared because if people don't use the stuff they learn really quickly, they'll forget it. And I say to people, unless you do the training and then teach the training six times, you will not remember your training. So this is for everyone. If you send your staff on a course, mm. the best way to get maximum value from the course is when they get back, they should teach it to the rest of the practice. That's the best way to learn mm. what you've... The best way to learn and retain what you've learned is to teach it to other people. Hoping you're going to remember three days mm. of dentistry knowledge about extractions, amalgamation, and amalgams. It's just never going to happen. I've done an exercise with nine dots. No. Okay? You put nine dots on a piece of paper and you've got to try and join them up. I've had people say to me, I saw this last year. I went, oh, brilliant. It will take you about a minute to do it. And then you get the same thing. I, I, I think I know how to do it. I think I remember. And you go, but when did you last do this exercise? I go, 1947, I think. You know, And you just watch them. And you know they've not <laughs> done it since. And if you think about senior dentists, you know, senior partners, they haven't learned new stuff mm. for a long time. Then they get some junior member who's gone on a course, yeah. who's got some new ideas. They want to share it. But they can't remember it all. But if they were to take the information and do a half-day seminar in the practice and plagiarise everything that just happened, they'd retain and remember the information. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Nigel, you're, you've got such... You're so brimming and bubbling with confidence and, and, and energy. And I guess a lot of this has kind of built up over, over the years because of the job you do. But roll back to the beginning. What, what, was, your, what was your upbringing like? What were you like as a kid? Okay, so I was a summer baby. And the reason I say that is that summer babies are behind in education the winter babies. So if you look at sports captains and English football yep. team captains... That's me. Yeah, they're nearly all September, October births. I was a July birth, so when I went to school, my mm. best friend, who was nearly 12 when I joined the school when I was 11, he had hairy legs, and I still had a high-pitched voice. Hello, David. 
I, you know, I, I had no idea about girls and all the other stuff because I was very immature. So at a very young age, I realised I had to change behaviour and I started modelling off older people and I got a job at a summer camp mm-hmm. in a sweet shop, okay? I was sweet still, I still eat loads of sweets and chocolate, as you can probably tell from behind me. But I learnt selling and I learnt communication very early on. And then I left school before I was 16 and got involved in finance. So I've been involved in communication and selling. I mean, I'm 60 in July. So in theory, for 44 years, I've been involved in communication or selling. And even then when I went to Israel to do hotel management and stopped and became a tennis coach, I've been coaching people since I've been 18. I've been teaching and communicating since mm. for a young age. But what I'm saying is, I've always loved communication. You're too young to remember a program by Sir John Harvey Jones mm. called Troubleshooter. He was the first like business coach on TV. Oh, oh no, no, yeah, yeah. no. And I remember thinking I would love... That was the one with Morgan Carl, yeah, wasn't it? Okay, yeah. so there was Morgan Carl, the National Health Service, and Denby, okay? And I thought I would love to be doing what this guy does. He goes into a business, has a look around. And in 1998, literally at the legal conference, that year when you saw me, or 1999, I was invited into a corporate clothing business to spend half a day looking at this factory and the way they worked, and then to report on what they could do differently. And I remember ringing my parents to say, I'm living the dream. I'm doing exactly what I always dreamed I'd do. And I had a knack for watching people, finding out what wasn't working, and what they could do to improve by 5%. So if you look at a dentist practice, for example, Mm. and you've obviously been to a dentist once or twice in your life, and you come into the dentist practice, and there's a receptionist who doesn't look up, who's behind a screen or behind a table, and then you look Mm. up and you ask to sit down, and there's magazines from 1947, you know, National Geographic or Jackie or whatever, and then there's a bit of a stain on the, the side table, and then, you know, you go to the toilet and it's not pristine. Before you've even started your process, you're thinking the reception's not that, it's not that nice, they're not up to date, they're not looked after the reception, and it's not that clean. What's it then going to be like where it's supposed to be clean? So I started looking at organisations and saying, mm-hmm. every touch point has got to be phenomenal, it's got to make an impact, which is why, why I wrote a book called The Impact Code. It's about creating an impact in the moment that everything yeah. you do touches. Yeah, if you mm. go to Disney, I don't know if you've ever been to Disney. But that, but that, but that five percent improvement you talk about—that's that's a little bit like well, that was before sort of Sir Dave Brailsford started talking about marginal yeah. gains. Well, you know, it's if you can make those few tweaks and improvements. Know, it has David a big Brailsford, and I've worked with him. You know, took his own soap, and they wore gloves all the way to the, on the flights because there were lots of infections. They brought their own beds because cyclists are longer than mm. five foot nine. You know. It was a tiny thing that made an enormous difference. But now look at the practice. If you've ever been to Disney, have you ever been to Disneyland? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been on the Magic Carousel? Do you know it's repainted every single night? Yes, the one with the horses, yeah. It's repainted every single night. Because if it's a kid's first experience of going there and there's some chip paint, that's going to scar them for life. Wow. If you go down Main Street, all the gold etchings, all the gold etchings on the shops, which are way up on the shops there you know the dentist um, uh, screw it and dodge it or whatever they, you know, they've got these funny names for a dentist pull it and screw it or whatever they were called yeah. it's repainted every night to be touched up 
because what they want to do is make it a magical experience from the time they go in to the time they leave and you spend more time more money there and people all want to come back now think about going to the dentist but you know mm. is there a car parking space with your name on when you get there you, they know you're coming why isn't it reserved for you when you then come in why isn't there a glass of water so why don't you yeah. brush your teeth before you see the dentist why don't you, and then you, you're given that toothbrush to mm. go home with I mean it's simple stuff that would make such a difference that would make the experience better and then when you see the dentist the dentist knows your name mm. and knows your wife's name or your husband's name or your children's name They've got all the records there. Mm. Instead of saying, mm. yeah, I haven't seen you for some time, I'm making you feel guilty. Instead of, how lovely to see you. Mm. I think the key thing, the key thing for me there, Nigel, is the fact of it's experienced yeah. as well as it's a service, isn't it? You yeah. Know, whilst it's delivered, it's a whole experience. As you say, whether you go to a restaurant mm. and they treat you like, not very well at the door. That's mm. already starting to tinge your view. But we of all that know how we f- how things feel, mm. don't we? You can tell somebody what it's like, but when you're there and you feel it, you know whether it's congruent. You know whether it was a good experience or not. And like I say, all those little things joining up actually mm. matter matter a lot. I mean, I, I'm going to knock a different industry. So, how did you evolve oh, then I'm, from I'm your? I want to knock. Mm. So, so, Nigel, how did you evolve then from John Harvey Jones? into then suddenly saying, well, I'll tell you what, I'll step out and become a stage speaker. Did that sort of, was that a gradual process or did you just think, actually, I've been advising, so therefore I'm just going to step out and say, hey, guys, I can talk to your groups. So I got asked to speak at a, for something called the Institute of Sales and Marketing Management Conference, which was a very big national conference. Now, they used to, used to have regional events and then at some point you'd get invited to main stage with like 2,000 people. And I did a conference for 2,000 people. When was that, Nigel? In 2001. Right. It oh, was well. the first time I'd done a large, what I call conference, as a keynote speaker. Up till then, I'd been doing one-hour to three-hour mm. sessions, you know, either like at the legal conference where I was a, a, either a breakout speaker or a speaker, but I wasn't a headline yeah. speaker. But I only had half an hour. And when you've only got half an hour to do your shtick, you've got to be on point and everything's got to land. It's a bit like when you see a Michael McIntyre or a, uh, I'm say Jimmy Carter, that's a bit yeah. controversial right now. But, you know, you see a Mike, you know, that type of person. They've done 150 <laughs> shows in small arenas and small theatres before they go on to the live event. Because you want to nail every single second to make sure it mm. works. And so I did one or two large events. Mm. And once you get on the circuit, you then get on the circuit. And then, can you come into my organisation? Can you come into my... And right. then you know I wrote some books, which we'll come into in a minute. And then the minute you start writing books, then other people know you yeah. without having seen you. And that's a weird scenario. But someone said, I've read some of your stuff. Or I've, nowadays, it's, I've heard your podcast, but I've never really seen you. And I find that weird that people have read my stuff mm. or are sharing my stuff. And we now have some trainers that are using my material in other countries so there's a guy today doing a presentation in south africa using all my material and i'm seeing pictures of all my stuff now it's cool but it's just weird that i I have no idea what's going on yeah so i've been speaking coaching and i coach 12 people a month writing all on one basis because i'm in joy with it but i spell the word enjoy i-n-j-o-y And if you're not in joy with what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it. 
and there are lots of dentists who are going through the motions instead of really being passionate and being enjoy with their patients and mm. an interesting uh, point is uh, you know you're saying obviously your your uh, your work is being done around the world does it have to be adapted for different countries for different cultures okay, so that's really interesting so i've been in iran i've done russia i've done israel i've done australia i've done nearly all of america i've done canada all of europe um saudi arabia my book's in arabic it's in south korea it's in chinese it's in arabic with the exception of china wow. where i've never done it i i would struggle a little bit with some of my animal stuff but other than that it works all over the world because it's universal mm. laws it's a bit like being a dentist people have teeth they're either good teeth or bad teeth they either come in or come out and you need to have veneers or you don't but there are some people who find mm. my style somewhat abrasive i don't know why but you know some people just find me a little bit in your face and so there are some cultures that wouldn't take too kindly for me to tell people that the reason their businesses yeah. aren't working is because they suck which is what i often say mm. yeah yeah no it's very fascinating and, and your, your, your mission statement is to inspire and empower people in their organisations to live their lives to the fullest. Which is on the back of one of my business cards. A lot of that okay? comes down. Which is on the back of one of my business cards. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And the reason it's there, I don't always use that card because I have different animal cards as well. But everything that I do is about inspiring and empowering people. And if I'm not inspiring and empowering people, then my life doesn't work. So if you think about, for you, Andy and Chris, what yeah. you love doing, there are times where you're not doing what you love doing, and then you wonder why your life sucks. It doesn't mean you're always doing it. Mm. But there are times where, you know, if you think about a 24-hour period for me, I may be on a plane, I may be waiting to speak, I've then got to drive back from some venue, I've got to check into a hotel. Most of my life, I'm not inspiring and empowering people, because I'm not with people, I might be just going on the train. Mm. But it means when I'm talking to the stewardess or I'm talking to a train inspector I've still got to be on point and inspire and empower them and when I'm rude and we all are at times and you do a middle finger because some driver pulls you pulls in front of you you need to think am I being mm. inspirational empowering that moment and they're the moments when your life's not working when your life is working I promise you, you don't need yeah to but that's that's that when your I life mean, that's, is working, that's that's tricky isn't you it to, to frame to things statement I'll repeat that. When your life is working, you don't yeah. need to make a mission statement. <laughs> when your life's not working, go back to your card and say, is what I'm supposed to be doing in alignment with that? And then wonder why your practice is not running as well as it should be, because mm. you're not doing the basics. Mm -hmm. And I guess if that behaviour keeps getting reinforced day by day by day, then I guess what happens is that then just becomes your routine. And then when you're not living by those standards, it stands out more obviously because that's not your usual behaviour. It becomes your new normal. But yeah. Chris, something worse happens. You then start showing your staff that's acceptable behaviour. So when you're not living your mission mm -hmm. and then you start being rude and a patient calls up and says, you know, my son's going to be about 10 minutes late because the school bus has broken down. Are you okay seeing it? And then you put the phone down, and then you effing blind, and say, I can't believe this. What you're saying is that's acceptable yeah. behaviour to speak about your patients. So we have a rule that says, 
when you put the phone down, remember for 10 seconds, somebody might be able to hear you. And all of a sudden, mm. then you have to start thinking in different ways yeah, about your communication. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good tip. Mm, that is good, with, yeah. with that one. We, 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 we've thought we've brushed against it a couple of times and not really talked about it yet, but you're, you're well known for your book. It's a zoo around here. Um, mm. Can you talk us through the, the concept of that and how it impacts organisations? Because, <laughs> like I say, those, those different characterisations of people through animals is, is fascinating, but it really resonates. So let's use a typical dentist practice, OK? So you've got staff and you've got patients. So you're going to have a receptionist, you might have a dental nurse, you'll have a senior practice, sorry, you'll have a senior practice manager or a dentist, then you might have an associate. And then you've got patients, a company director, a mum stroke dad who works from home, a young idiot like me who's, who hasn't got any common sense, who's forgotten his appointment three or four times, and then you've got somebody who's a lawyer or an accountant who's technically brilliant but doesn't understand dentistry. So you've got two groups of people, one that works in the practice and one who are your patients. The problem is, as a dentist or as the practice manager, we often speak to all four groups exactly the same way. So there's the first problem. Imagine mm. you are now a zookeeper and you have lions, elephants, monkeys and dolphins in your zoo. Be honest, Andy and Chris, would you feed all four of them because you're a bit late, all of the same food. No. no and the reason you would... Dreadful idea. But the reason you wouldn't is because if you want to get the most out of your animals, they need to be fed in the time they need to be fed, the food they need in the way they need to be fed. Does that make sense? Mm. But it's quarter yeah, to six yeah. on a Friday. The last patient is late. We want to go home. We want to clear up the practice. And um, the dentist says something like this. Okay, let's wrap this all up. Uh, all have a great weekend. But uh, on Monday, we want to change the way we run the practice. Think about that message, which it might be right, but four animals have heard four different messages. Yeah, the elephants so are going to be going, hold on one second. There's a change happening because elephants can't deal with change. You know, lawyers and accountants and technical, you know, Engineers, there's going to be a change in the practice. Does that mean we're moving? Does that mean the chair? There's a new legislation. What's happening? The monkeys like me, we didn't even hear the message, so we don't care, and we've forgotten there's even a senior practitioner, and we didn't even know that we were closing at six o'clock, so we didn't even know we were late. The dolphins are now really sad <laughs> because they think that the practice is closing and they're never going to be able to eat again and look after their family. And the lions are going, if there's going to be any change, I'm going to be doing it. So that's the staff. Now, the patients, for someone like me, I forgot it was quarter to six, and I think quarter to six is six-ish, okay? Six-ish, seven-ish, I'll be there around mm. six-ish, and I'll probably be eating a chocolate bar on my way in because I've forgotten I'm seeing the dentist, which I only did last year, by the way. I walked into a dentist eating a flake, which is kind of bizarre, but I forgot I was seeing a dentist, even though I was walking into the dental practice holding a chocolate bar. Then you've got the elephant who will have gone online... <laughs> Not the best example. <laughs> yeah, but that's classic. But then you've got the elephant who will have gone online who know exactly how long this process is going to last. They know it doesn't need a double filling because they've read what dentist monthly. 
and there's probably a magazine called What Dentists Monthly, and they know it only needs to be a quarter-inch drill, not a half-inch drill, because they've seen a dentist program. The Dolphins are probably going to bring their youngest child in as well, mm. hoping they can see him as well off, because whilst we're here, can, can you see my little Susie and Johnny? And the Lion will expect to be sat down before quarter to six, even though the appointment is at quarter to six, because at quarter to six we're already late. I want to repeat that. If your appointment is at quarter to six, that means my mouth needs to be open and your hand needs to be in my mouth at quarter to six, not you're possibly bringing me in at quarter to six. Now, that type of stuff mm. is why being an effective zookeeper is so important, and you need to do profiling of mm. your patients and your staff. We have a free quiz on our website, so we don't even take any names and addresses. In literally a minute, you could find out which animal you were by doing... And we've got two quizzes, by the way. We've got one for the monkeys, because it's animation, and it's simple. And there's another version with a PDF, so they can, they can download it, because elephants and lions like to do that. But what we did was, we wanted to make it so simple. Nigel? Go for it. Do you want to give us the website so those people yep, can really write it simple. down if they're listening? It's nigelrisner.com. Right, brilliant. Oh, so any of you, nice any of you listening want to find out what type of animal you're? Yeah. Give I, it a go. I have done it. I have as, as my as my prep for this. I did do it, and it literally takes two minutes, and it's it's fascinating. And you came out you get a to monkey? read the profile of of your personality traits. And you came out a monkey, Chris? Uh, I, I, yeah, I was I was I was monkey with a bit of lion. Uh, you're a monkey, okay? Don't know. I've done it. Let me have a look. Oh no, I can't be bothered. <laughs> oh no, I'm a monkey. <laughs> what we're really trying to say to people is, when we wrote the book, so we wrote a book, okay? And when we wrote the book, we had to make sure the book was in all four languages. So for the monkeys, there's colour paper, okay? Mm. For the lions, not many words on each page. <laughs> for the elephants, you're going to like this. There's a graph. And then for the dolphins... Graphs and charts, right, they love that, We yeah. printed it on recycled paper for the dolphins. Even when we wrote the book, we wanted to make sure it was done in all That is so clever. Think about the way you as a dentist... Uh, that is so clever. Yeah, but think about this as a dentist. If your dentist is listening to this podcast and you're sharing a dental plan with one of your patients, the monkey is never going to do the follow-up. They're never going to do the regime. They're never going to be putting in their mouth guards no. every night. They're just not. The lions expect it to be all done and the veneers finished in a week. The elephants, if it takes seven years, they'll follow the process. <laughs> But you're explaining it all the same way to all the different animals, hoping they're going to get the same results. No monkey in the history of dentistry has followed a mm. year plan. I'm, t I'm telling you that now. They have never done it. Mm. And they've been late for the follow-ups. And, they've and, the and follow I imagine the impact on your business. Yeah, mm. and, I, and I imagine the impact on your organisation once you understand the people working in your business mm. to get them focused on the type of work and interacting in a way that suits their personality style is huge. It's so true, isn't it? Do you remember we did that? Uh, so we did some personality assessments and we did it with, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was like green, you were green, blue, red or yellow. Yeah. Or something. And I can remember we, we had a guy with us who... Um, we realised that basically, I don't know, he was blue and we were red. No, you were and yellow. The was, the we might as well have been talking Swahili Just to Just for him. the record, you were yellow and he was blue, OK? And, and that's, I mean, just... Oh, there you go. And, and he... 
You can't even remember it, what it didn't matter what are. we said to him. And it was when, when we realised when we did this thing, we thought it was the wrong language. Mm. But that's the problem. I, I speak fluent Hebrew. So if I finish the rest of this interview in Hebrew, it will be amazing for me. Believe me, it will be brilliant. And there will be some of your listeners who can speak Hebrew who will think it's <laughs> phenomenal. But we're going to lose a minimum of 75% of the audience. But that's what we're doing every yeah, single day <laughs> in our dental practices. We're speaking a language so true, that 75% of the world doesn't understand. And what's worse is that the more angry we get, the more we can go into even a different animal. So I can go into what I call hyena mode. So I think I'm being funny, and then I can get angry mm. and pissy. Okay, and, I've, and I know I'm going there. Mm. So now I've gone even to another quadrant. And my wife, who's a massive elephant, I mean, she's a size 10, but she's a massive elephant, she can go into what I call rhino mode. And she'll go <laughs> silent, she'll get withdrawn, and then she'll charge. Now visualise a hyena and a rhino mm. being communicated by a dentist. You've mm. got to speak the right language. That's and you are really wasting cute. energy. And I promise you, this is with a capital P, you could earn 20% more fees if you spoke in the right language. Now, that's got to be worthwhile. That's good. That's, uh, oh, yeah, it's... It's, yeah, it's, for it's, people listening, it's that. I think, if anything, I wonder whether for the vast, vast majority, they've never probably thought about that. No. On you know, at least we 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 have. But it's as you say, probably for most practitioners, they've never thought mm. about the fact there's different people with different communication skills, and you have to adapt. No, but Andy, um, Andy, so Andy, it, it, you know, if someone takes something away, that's got to be. Yeah, something. but Andy, see, we do know, but when our lives aren't working, we forget the basics, and the basics are. People are different, not yeah. difficult. Mm. Let me repeat that. They're different, not difficult. But when our lives aren't mm. working, we just say they're being really awkward, they're being difficult, they don't understand how hard this is. No, you're speaking a foreign language to 75% of your patients. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're high octane, Nigel. It's, it, it really is. It's you know, the information that you're, you're delivering out. People can have to listen to this on half speed to keep up with, with all the numbers. And I'm slowing down. And this is in his bad time. It, it, <laughs> yeah, so this, well, is, this just, is your after quarter to five. And I was just, <laughs> just going to say about how, how do you manage your life? You know, how do you rest? How do you relax? Do you get enough rest? There's a lot of talk at the moment about kind of the four-day week, working week and coming out of the pandemic people can get more balance in their lives. What, what, what about yourself? Okay, so there's two things on that. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, oh, I've just changed my, my screen here. I, I, was, I, was, I was playing around there. Forget that, sorry. Um, I, 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 on a Tuesday, in theory, I look after my grandson. But I love what I do, as long as I'm in what I call enjoy mode. When I'm not in enjoy mode, I'd, li mm. I'd like to work one day a week. But I've got, I've got a wife and two kids who are high maintenance mm. who've got credit cards of mine. So I need to work. But seriously, <laughs> if you love what you do and you take regular breaks, so often I say to people, I only speak for 42 minutes and then I have a break. You can't be focused for longer than about 40 odd minutes. So dentists that work 10, 12 hours mm. and are very proud to say they haven't had a holiday this year and they just work through 40 patients are on the road to misery, alcoholism, drug abuse, divorce, separation, gambling addiction, because they've got to get the high from somewhere. Mm. And the dentistry industry is horrific mm. on those things that I've just mentioned. 
and there's enough statistics out there that say that people who work super hard and are proud of saying we've seen five billion patients and we haven't had a day off, they'll have a heart attack before they're 55. So I had a brain aneurysm mm. four, five mm. years ago, which was my wake-up call. I was doing 160 yeah, presentations mm. in 40 different countries a year, sometimes two countries in a day, because I thought that's the future. Now I want to work better. Mm. Mm. And in fact, are you aware that the more holiday people take, the more money they make? Do you know why that's the case? Yeah, it's, it's a bizarre, you know why that's bizarre stat, isn't it? How much work do you get done the day before you go on holiday? Yeah, yeah. We, we've always said that. Yeah. To go yeah. away more, it's focus, go away isn't more it? It's, it's, it's focus go away and, more and attention. Be more focused, take regular breaks, drink more water, be a zookeeper, and be, get ready for this one, be nice. Yeah, oh, being nice is a key. I think that's really think underrated as a skill. Yeah, Every, yeah, I think nice gets you an awful long way. Nice will get you the best table in the restaurant. Yeah, nice, yeah, gets you nice good will get you lots of Trust things me. that have actually. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. What you don't exactly. Have to would do. you say, as a result of the pandemic, would you say that people are looking after themselves more? You know, you were saying about take more people breaks. People have worked harder. Do, do you think, People are looking after themselves more and now. People have worked harder through the pandemic because they've been working at home. So what's happened is they've woken up at 7.30, they've, they've gone onto their computers at 8 o'clock, and they've worked till 8 o'clock at night without regular breaks, without proper communication, without proper lunch breaks. The people have worked probably harder, and what it's proved is you don't need to be travelling by train to 50% of offices. I advocate people need to communicate and they need to be with people. They don't need to be in an office five days a week. Unfortunately, dentists do because patients <laughs> are coming to them. But some of the support staff don't have mm. to be there in a way. Mm. You could have the receptionist, in theory, mm. not being there if they had a ring bell and they could work out how to open the door centrally. Because all they're doing is greeting them in one way. There, there are many things people could do without being in person. Unfortunately, my father was an optician. That type of industry, you're face-to-face. So you can't not work from home as such. Sorry, you yeah. can't not work from a practice. You've got to be with yeah. patients. Mm. I, I think we found in our business that we, like I say, we didn't stop working, um, but we did work from home for a period during, during lockdown. But there was, a, there was a sense we did lose a bit of culture because mm. everybody wasn't together. There wasn't that kind of team bond, that tribe mentality. And I think since we've all been back together in the office, it does feel a more cohesive team. Yeah, it Ooh, feels a more cohesive team. But you don't all see, when, when I'm now working with organisations, I'm often saying there needs to be a purpose for people to have a team meeting. Because if it's just to communicate a message, mm. you can communicate it well on Zoom. If you want to share and collaborate new ideas and you know it's 50% social, that you want people to be talking to each other about ideas, about how things can be done, that's fine. But don't have a meeting in an office for the sake of having a meeting just because you think it's good to get together. Now, that goes against everything that I teach in a way. But yeah. I'm saying that there are a lot of people saying, well, we need you all coming to the office. Mm. There's, there's a lot of heavy toll on people just for mm. the sake of it. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I was more thinking of it being those little, like, micro-interactions. No, no, they're, they're not, they're not micro. Just conversations they're here and massive. there. And, uh, you see, there's the mistake. They're, they're, they're max. 
Oh, yeah. They're not yeah. micro-interactions. They're the stuff that you used to be able to go past someone's desk and say, I've got an idea what you think, and now I've got to program a Zoom meeting. So mm-hmm. interacting properly yeah. and then communicating like a zookeeper is the way forward. What tends to happen is we go to the office and then yeah. go and work in silos with headphones on and then on our laptops, and we're not really communicating. Mm-hmm. And then we go to a team meeting where it's an hour, no, it's right. where half of it is a waste of time. So there needs to be breakout sessions mm. and mm. breakout areas with lounges and soft chairs and teas, coffees and biscuits, where people can just be more than being lectured at. If you're going to be lectured at, you might as well do a webinar. Mm. Mm. Yeah, very true. Yeah, true. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And I guess dental practices are quite high pressure environments at the moment because there's a recruitment crisis. You know, some practices might be a person or two people down. They've got patients coming through. It's a clinical environment. So it's not it's not an easy environment to bring kind of a, a relaxed you know, a relaxed style and, and having those breakout areas because of the, the pressure they're under. So it would be good if they could kind of factor that in somehow to the mm. working day for the team that are there and do social staff and that culture thing yeah because, because it is different because obviously their their patients are coming to them aren't they so, yeah you know. yeah. It, it, yeah so with all your with all your wisdom nigel what 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 would you say to a a, a teenage nigel just starting out what have you what have you learned on the way that are the actual gems that you would let yourself know as a younger person watch successful people and see how they act when no one's watching. Mm-hmm. You see, I'm always curious that mm. I'm being watched 24-7. You know, I, I, you know, I, I go to on stage, yeah. I come off stage, and as I get into a car, do I want to thank my Uber driver? When I get to the airport, and my flight's delayed? How do I treat the, the, mm. the reception team, or how do I check in yeah. staff? Those type of things, successful people are nice. Unsuccessful people who've got big mouths, yeah. you don't know who I am and all that stuff. And like, whenever I hear that, I want to tell them, have a look at your password, it'll tell you who you are. <laughs> mm. We have this thing about doing the right thing when no one else is yeah. looking. Yeah. It's tough because you think you can get away with it. But yeah. So we used to say to people, imagine you were being followed by MTV for 48 hours what would people notice about you? Mm. Mm. If you ever watch a reality yeah, TV true. program... Yeah, they're, 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 like I said, that's the, that's the deep core skills. Isn't it is, it? Yeah. But watch a reality TV program, and on day three, because for the first two days, they, they know they're on camera. By about day three, they forget they're on camera, and the real mm. truth comes out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You get through to the real person. Yeah. Cool. That's brilliant. So Nigel, we, we, we always we always finish up by asking our guests the same the same two questions. And and the first one is if you could be a fly on a wall in a in a situation. So where and, and when would that be and who who would you be with? If I could be a fly on the wall right now, I would love to be sitting with the health minister and Boris Johnson. Because I'd like to know the real truth <laughs> no no right now about how we're going to deal with the health service and the six million people who are waiting for appointments. Because it had nothing to do with this government. Mm -hmm. It's been there for 40 years. But now you've had two years of delayed operations. At some point, something needs to change. And I'd love to be sitting in a meeting to Mm -hmm. hear the actual story that's being said. 
which sounds a bit weird. Mm. Yeah, no, it would be interesting. Um, because whoever's in yeah. Parliament... Yeah, by the way, I was going to say, there's a, there, 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 whoever is in Parliament... There's a big hole to climb out problem, of, isn't there? Whoever's in Parliament. So I don't want to knock either side. But yeah, that's but right. You've got a lot of issues no, going yeah, on. No, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Certainly, it's a long term. It's a, as you say, it's a long term issue. Yeah, it just happens to have been exasperated by the last two years. Yeah, yeah. And our last question is: if you could meet somebody, um, who would you like to? Who would you like to meet? Living or dead? Yeah. Fictional or fact? Oh, okay. Moses. Okay. And the reason I'd like to meet him is because here's a guy who led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And because of one single thing wasn't allowed in, into the state of Israel. And his brother took them in. And I'd like to know how he felt when he was told, having done all this miraculous work, how he's going to deal with that. You know, the guy gets the Ten mm. Commandments, comes down from Mount Sinai. Forget the religion part, but he struck the rock instead of talking to the rock. And for that one single thing, he wasn't allowed into the state of Israel. And I would just like to know how he processed that. Because if you could understand that type of yeah. moment, mm. which is a Nelson Mandela moment being in prison, who deserved to be in prison, by the way, because he was yeah. what the stuff he did, and then he played for freedom. But in that moment, knowing how you stand, how your life will change. That's probably a different answer to one you thought. Yeah, about. very, yeah. Yeah, no, we haven't had that one before. No, I was going to say, yeah, you, you, you certainly get yourself into a into a place on your own with that as an answer. Well, because most people just go the general... I like to no. think, how do people deal with those scenarios? You know, Victor Frankl, who, you know, mm. got man search for meaning, you know, to make those type of choices when he was in the Holocaust, when his parents were sent to the gas chambers, you know, to have that type of foresight to go, even in the hardest situations, I've still got a choice. That's just... Yeah, you know, mm. massive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is mind blown because yeah. you don't really know what it would be like until no. you're in that position. Yeah, we complain about you know there's a queue for the no. petrol station. Oh, Nigel, I've, I've uh, yeah, yes, yeah. I, 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 I think it's we been fascinating. I was going to say we could talk all, all, all day. To be honest, <laughs> I think I think well, it's. You a, I think you're incredible. I think the for, topic you cover, the way you present. If you want it. me to come back next year for round two, delighted to help you. I was, I was going to say, I think there's, there's, there's going to have to be a follow-up of some sort. I think it's it. fascinating, isn't it, that basically we saw Nigel over 20 years yeah. ago and we, you know, you're listening to the adaptation. I love the enjoy thing. Yeah. You know, I think we might have borrowed opportunities nowhere or opportunities now here. From How about opportunities now here? But I, I'm going to be using... I'm going to be yeah. I'm going to be using enjoy and enjoy yeah. uh, attributed because I think it's a, it's a brilliant one. It's such a simple one yeah. that says, "Are you enjoy with what you do?" I think it's and it's those simple things that resonate. I I'm think with people because they sort of go, "Oh I'm yeah, a oh, I get it." With a simple message, trying to change the world. That's all I can say. No, it's been brilliant. That's a lovely really, really good. Up. That's a lovely way of wrapping up. No, we really appreciate your time, Nigel. It's been really great. Thank you so much. I look working with you sometime in the future. Have a fantastic 2022. Absolutely. You brilliant. Too. Thanks, Absolutely. Nigel. Well, that was good. That was good. I really enjoyed that. I, 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 in the introduction, I said he was a chief zookeeper. And when he talked us through the whole monkey, lion, elephant, dolphin, kind of in terms of personality traits... 
absolutely fascinating. I it's uh, fascinating. I think as he said it, you could see people, literally, oh, yeah, yeah, people yeah. you know. Uh, you're, you're, you're going, oh, that's why she's like that, because she's a monkey. Mm. Oh, yes, he's an elephant. You, mm. you could actually see people as he was going. And I, I, and I think the key, th- the, the, the big thing is people don't get that, that, that they, they think that everybody is the same. And it, as soon as they could transform their thinking to thinking, ah, oh, they're not the same, then they're probably on their way to really achieving something special. Yeah, I, I think it, we do this in life a lot, don't we? I think we see things as we are, not as they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we, we have our own point of view and perspective, and that becomes how we communicate without stopping and saying, I'm trying to get a message across to you, Chris. Mm. I have to adjust my style so yeah, that it's yeah, well yeah. received. Yeah. But that, that's kind of the core of what Nigel was talking I about. I thought it was great. And I his, thought it was his really stories, good. his energy. Jeez. Uh, I thought it was good. I was worn out by the end of it. <laughs> After a rest now. It was, it was amazing. No, it was really good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.